You're listening to the Boogeyman's Closet Podcast. Explicit language and spoilers ahead. You've been warned. And we are back for yet another episode of the Boogeyman's Closet. As always, I am Mike Alvarez. Uh, unfortunately, both Maurice and Susie could not make it today, but we have two very important guests joining us today. Hey, it's the Strasburg. What's up? Hey, it's the May. What is also <laughs> up? <laughs> when it's, worlds collide. It's one of those special <laughs> comic books where it's three like, comic books mash into each other. It's like the three heads of families, you know? We got the Boogeyman's Closet <laughs> raised by rentals and Count Creepyhead, you know? That's, that's right. We're, <laughs> at a, we're at a secret location. We're about to pass some decrees. <laughs> the mega crossover to rule that's the right. world. The Red Pantheon's making some new rules, and we're going to, like, look at our awesome rings that you can't <laughs> have because right. you can't be in the club. That's right. That's right. We are the uh, the inner circle, the Aluma. Naughty. Ooh, naughty boys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that one's gonna stick. Illuminati, I like that. <laughs> oh shit! But we are here for a very special reason. It is not only our Halloween special, but it is uh, Mr. Strasberg's Patreon pick. Josh, why don't you tell us why uh, why we're here today? Yeah, definitely. I picked Lady in White for this Patreon pick. Uh, it's one of those movies that. I've just always loved since I was a kid. It's a super nostalgic movie. Uh, I don't know if you want me to, you know, get into my take on it yet, because that, that's I don't think we're at that stage of the script yet. But <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, I, I love this movie. It's 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 a nostalgic Halloween classic, but one I haven't seen since I moved out of my parents' house and didn't have access to the VHS that I taped it off of HBO or whatever. And so I was like, this is the perfect thing because now I get to watch it all over again, and you know, hopefully the listeners will watch it too i gotta tell you man i'm really glad you picked this one because uh much like you i watched it a lot as a kid and i have not seen it probably in about 20 years so it's it's been a long a long while yeah. since i've watched this but um as you mentioned it, it, it's the lady in white from 1988 uh, it's an hour and 53 minutes it's kind of a long one uh but it's it is one of the uh pg-13 movies every time that happens we always have to bring it up because people always talk about how horror can't be good if it's pg-13 and technically i would say this is more of a drama than than anything it's like a drama thriller um but it still falls into the horror sandbox and and it's fucking fantastic even a pg-13 um, but I'm probably going to butcher this guy's name, but it's directed by Frank, what is it, Lalogia? I can't say Lelogia. it. Lalogia. thank you. Yeah. Um, he did uh, Fear No Evil and Mother. Um, now, the cast is fairly big, but I just tried to grab some of the main players here. So we have uh, Frankie Scarletti, played by Lucas Haas, who we would know from The Twilight Zone, Solar Babies, Mars Attacks, Zoolander, and most recently, The Righteous Gemstones, which, if you guys aren't watching, check oh, it out. It's amazing. It's so fucking good. I love it. I it's a, absolutely. It's one of my favorite TV shows. Yeah, it's, it's, so the, best, it's the best show on TV. That's the yeah. only show where I'm actually sad that the seasons are actually really quick and to the point, which I normally love. But in this case, I'm like, no, I want 27 fucking episodes more. Right. <laughs> I've I have have been having that uh, that reaction now watching the the newest season. I'm I'm, a, I'm still like a couple episodes behind, but. 
Uh, then we have Phil Taragosa, played by Len Kairou. Uh, he was in the Ray, Bad Ray Bradbury Theater, Murder, She Wrote, The Outer Limits, Secret Window, 1408, and most recently, Bumblebee. Uh, then we have Angelo Scarletti. He was played by Alex Rocco. He's in The Godfather, The Entity, Murder, She Wrote, uh, Return to Horror High, and Get Shorty. Uh, then we have Amanda, played by Catherine Hellmond. We got uh, Mona <laughs> from Who's the Boss. Uh, mm -hmm. She's also in Time Bandits, Brazil, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, and Cars 1 through 3. Then we have Gino Scarletti, played by Jason Presson, who was in The Explorers, Twilight Zone, Saturday the 14th Strikes Back, The Outsiders, Gremlins 2, The New Batch. Then we have Melissa Ann Montgomery, played by uh, Joelle Jacoby. She was in Single, Mar uh, Single Woman, Married Man, and Life Stories. Then we have Donald, played by Jared Rushton, who we would know from a lot of 80s things, but he was in Big Murder, She Wrote, uh, Roseanne, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and we saw him get killed in Pet Cemetery 2. Uh, he's the kid that took the dirt bike to the face. What happened to him? <laughs> he's always either like the bully or the best friend. He's like always a bridesmaid. Yep. <laughs> Never the bride. Man, you know, like... He's kind of got that like Billy Zabka level of like I love him because he plays such a great asshole. Mm -hmm. Definitely, and, yeah. but I think he just got like oh, I'm done acting. You, you know, know, I also get him often confused with the the bully from Monster Squad. Um, you know the the oh from, oh uh, yeah he was yeah, in yeah, Wonder yeah. Years and yeah the future yeah he I produces that a ton of reality television like he pops up he puts himself in them constantly and it's like hey it's the brother from um, the fucking show that you guys just mentioned. I'm having the a wonder break. years. The the wonder wonder years. years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't know what it is about those two kids, but I always get them confused. Like the whole time I was watching this, I was like, he's the bully from monster squad. Right. And then I looked it up and I'm like, wait, no, no, that's a completely different person. Yeah. Um, and I, I occasionally mix him up with Danny Cooksey too. Uh, the, uh, he was yes. uh, John Connor's best friend in T2. Yep. And he was in Salute Your Shorts. Yeah, Bobby Who, Budnick. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He went on. He's like. He's like. He went on to be like a country singer. Uh, and he was in really? this, like, this. Yeah, he was in this. Uh, he was like this this rock band that like Steve Vai put together with like a bunch of like kids in the '90s. But yeah, now he's like a country singer. No shit, I I didn't know that. I, yeah, I always remember him from Salute Your Shorts. Um, and and he he really looks a lot like a guy I used to work with. And uh, it was funny because he was totally aware that he looked like him. <laughs> so like he used to bring up Salucha shorts all the time. Nice. But um, then we have uh, Louis, played by Gregory Levinson. He was in Webster and Alfred Hitchcock Presents. And then finally, Aunt Montgom Anne Montgomery, played by Karen Powell. She was in Night Court. Uh, Harry and Walter go to New York. That's adequate and another life. Um, so the, the basic plot of this is an author is kind of telling a story about his childhood where uh, he was growing up in the 1960s in a small town of, what is it, Widow's Point? Or Widow's Peak? I'm forgetting the name of it. Widow, Widow's one, Point Falls. There we go. One of them. Falls. Yeah, one of them. I had to look it up. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's uh, telling a story of how he witnessed a, uh, he saw basically saw a ghost and then witnessed the murder of said ghost and tries to solve the murder mystery. So it's a very interesting little film. But uh, let's go around the table here. Josh, as you are the one that picked this, we're going to start with you. What are your thoughts on this movie? Yeah, like I said, I used to love this as a kid, and I definitely wanted to watch it again. Same as you. I haven't seen it in more than two decades, like I said, since I moved out of my parents' house when I was like 21, 22. And so I didn't have that big uh, cabinet full of uh, the VHS tapes where we taped stuff off of HBO and Showtime, you know, and mm -hmm. uh 
I used to watch it all the time as a kid, not even just at Halloween, but, you know, year round. It, this one in Solar Babies, I always think of as like the Lucas Haas movies. Yep. Uh, <laughs> um, Solar and, Babies. And I remember this movie was really creepy, like not blood curdling, terrifying, but I just thought it was the perfect creepy movie. Uh, and I always had this memory of it is that it's the ultimate like nostalgia movie. It really nails the aesthetic of that like mid-century Halloween with the costumes and the decorations. And then as an adult, noticing more details like his brother, uh, Gino, who wanted to like go and play like Halloween pranks. And I definitely don't think that it 100% holds up. Just in terms of quality, I think it's pretty obvious that Frank Lelogia hadn't really made that many movies at the mm -hmm. time. Um, the pacing is a little weird, but other than that, like, yeah, it's this is exactly what I was hoping it was going to be. It was like the perfect little nostalgia romp. Uh, it, it, it took me right back to being a kid. It's still creepy, but in a different kind of way now as that I'm an adult. And oh, yeah. I watched it with Tegan, who's 16, and they thought it was really fun and cute. And that was kind of their take on it. Like, it's a cute, fun, all-ages Halloween movie that, like, you can watch, like, with the whole family. And I thought, that's perfect. We need more of those. Like, we need more Beetlejuices and Hocus Pocuses and movies like that. So, yeah, I was oh, definitely yeah. glad that I decided to watch this one again. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with it, it being more, uh, more of a family-friendly movie. But I will say, as an adult or as a parent watching this now, Jesus Christ, some of these scenes are hard. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. There, there's a few that really hit me in the feels. Like, I had to pause the movie because I was watching it at work. And I'm like, don't cry. Don't start crying at work. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, yeah, there's definitely some stuff that I was not prepared for. Um, the, the scene in particular, uh, when we see what happens to the ghost um yeah like later yeah. that that oh my god it hit me so hard <laughs> like i i had to stop the movie for a minute um are we talking about the cliff yes yeah. yeah that scene jesus christ that really like i immediately started getting choked up i was like that this is fucking rough um but again that's it's one of those things we've discussed this before like you know there's that phenomena like once you become a parent it's it's hard to watch children in peril um, it's, I mean, it's already hard to watch him, but once you're, you know, you're a parent, it's like, it's extra hard to watch a child in peril in a movie. Even if you know that it's just a movie, it's still difficult. Literally um, my most hated cinematic cheap trick. Now it used to be the, we're having a conversation in the car and then boom, instant car crash. Mm -hmm. Like it's done to death and I hate it. Now it's, let's put a crying baby in a scene of chaos. Oh uh, yeah. You do that. You know. And it's like, I'm probably going to turn the movie off. <laughs> yeah no, like, it just like it like just cuts through your head you know and like it's like this adds yeah. this level of anxiety because as you're as a parent just like you, did somebody think about the baby you, you know? don't <laughs> unlearn that like once you have a kid one time mm -hmm. it takes about a week for it to be ingrained in your body that like you hear a crying kid mm -hmm. everything stops and you have to save the baby well it's like I, I know yeah uh, Oops, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, oh, that's it. That's my point. Oh, I was gonna say, I, like, I know Josh can attest to this. Like, I used to be that person that <clears throat> that could sleep through anything. Um, like, if, once I was asleep, like, I wasn't waking up. Uh, a lot of times, I'd have to have like three to four alarms. Like, I had have different different volumes and different types of alarms to try to wake my ass up. Like, I was a dead to the world once I fell asleep. When I became a dad, every little noise woke me up. 
because I was so in tune to like, you know, if you hear crying, wake mm-hmm. up, get up, go take yep. care of the kid, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, it got to a point where like any little noise, I was just like, shit, wake up, <laughs> you know? So yeah. to this day, I'm a morning person, which I never in a million years would have thought I would ever become even as like an older guy. But yeah, just so many years of getting up with the baby and then like getting up to get my kids ready for school that now even on mornings when I don't have to get up, as soon as I'm even a little bit roused, my brain starts thinking like, who's awake? What's that noise? Is that the dog? Is that the kid? Oh my God. Like what's Griffin doing? You know? And then I'm like, wide awake. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, I think it's just permanent. <laughs> once you're, once you're a parent, it's like, yep, you will do this for the rest of your life. Yep. But, uh, Mike, we'll toss it over to you. What are your thoughts on this movie? So I asked to be on this for a very specific reason. Uh, Lady in White is a notorious Rochester movie. So uh, for those of you guys listening at home, the bulk of your audience is Buffalo, Niagara Falls natives. Uh, Rochester is kind of like your dumb cousin next door. (laughs) Um, We're like... You know, on Christmas, or like your cousin comes over and they don't have the cool toys and you've got the cool toys. That's Buffalo <laughs> to Rochester. Yeah. So like we got Duplo. You guys got Lego. Take your pick of analogies. But um, but I like Tyco. Yeah, exactly. right? We got the core. You guys got G.I. Joe. But I have this obsession with uh, regional cinema, like movies that take place in your town. So, like, you know, Buffalo's got some great stuff. The bigger the city, the better the movies. Rochester doesn't have much, but we have Lady in White. And uh, it's just like a local legend among people. When it came out in the 80s, it was a big deal. Um, Frank Lelogia was kind of like, he's from Rochester. He's making this movie. He shot it in Lyons, New York, which is right outside of Rochester, which is where the movie takes place. They don't call it Lyons. But they show a clip, he, as an author, he has a line where he's like, on a clear day, you could see the city. And then the skyline is Rochester, New York. Yep. All the exterior city shots is Rochester. So um, it's very true. You go to Lyons, it still looks like that. Um, And a fun fact, at the same time, like right after they got done shooting Lady in White, they shot the movie Slugs, which is like our other big claim to fame fucking slugs um such a weird movie yeah it's it's fun yeah lady white is based on the legend of the lady in white or the white lady which is a ghost that is said to haunt durand eastman park which is a park along lake ontario in rochester new york so robert la kind of took that legend and expanded upon it and made this crazy movie that you guys say family friendly movie i think we're watching two different films because family friendly with like casual racism well (laughs) child rape uh i mean it's easy to like it's kind of all like right under the surface but if you watch it critically you see all of it and you're like skeeved out yeah Uh, but it's got this weird like you can tell he was trying to kind of emulate a lot of like amblin entertainment from the time and uh stand by me with like the author flashback but then he kind of throws the horror element in there that goes too far but i love it because of that you know it's just like it's a it's the the cliff scenes the the racism the rape 
Um, well, no, I, I feel like I missed something. I, you, you mentioned child rape, and I'm like, I don't. Rec- did they did they say that at one point? Did I just miss yeah. it? The the killer. I mean, do you want to get to it as it happens in the plot? Well, I mean, we're we're just going to talk about the movie in general. So yeah, he's kind of going through. He raped and killed the kids. I missed hmm. the rape part. I thought he just yeah. murdered them. Yeah, I, I I have to admit the same thing. Yeah, and that's part of why because I was just th- just thinking that this villain. The way that I perceived it was that it was a good villain for this type of a movie and maybe not family friendly, but at least something you could watch with, you know, younger kids to kind of introduce them uh, to horror. Because they really, for, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't pick up on like the molestation, you know, part of. And now no, it's like, oh, shit, like now I'm they, really up by it. They really hammered in the scene, the broken arrow scene at the end mm-hmm. where he gets up in his face and he's like smelling his cheek and it's you know? a little too close for comfort. Yeah, gross. I didn't even read that scene that way. Like, I oh, that's fucking yeah. Now that you're saying it, it's like Jesus Christ. So I didn't read it that way. I watch Lady in White once a year, once every two years, and it's because I've watched it so many times. I've caught all these background details, but uh, it's all there if you look for it. Like they have a scene where they show the clippings of all the kids that have been killed. They're all girls. Yeah. Uh, His brother hints at it. When he talks about the the brain kid in his class that got taken out, it's all right there. But that also plays into more of the, the region, like the regional backstory of Rochester um, with the alphabet killer, which was another thing I think he drew from, which is uh, a movie with Eliza Dushku and um, God damn, uh, Bill Mosley that was also shot in Rochester. But it's so bad, I hate mentioning it. Um, <laughs> yeah. As you kind of like, you just kind of bounce. As you candy land through this plot, I'll chime in. But yes, I like it. Uh, I can watch it in the background, and it doesn't work for me. If I watch it like critically or pay attention every scene, I love it. It's a really weird movie where if I catch just the kid stuff, mm-hmm. it doesn't gel with me for some reason. But if I watch the entire pizza that he's making, I really like it. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Because he has a lot of flavors. He's right. got that Del Toro fairy tale. And it's mm. all because of the music and the score. But then right underneath that, it's really dark. But right. then he's got like that casual family comedy going on. Mm. It's up and down and it's all over the place. It's its, its own animal. And I, I'm upset that he didn't get to do more he's still alive mm-hmm. he cameos in the movie um he made one more movie after this and he moved to italy hmm. yeah, and it's just weird. it's sort of like i think he could have had a career you could have done like tales from Crypt episodes oh, television. Yeah. you know like i could see him doing more stuff and he didn't for whatever reason yeah, I could definitely see him, honestly, you know, being like a TV director, because that's really the vibe I was getting watching it this time a little bit more critically. I definitely didn't pick up on all the subtext, but just in terms of, you know, uh, the movie itself, like I mentioned, it doesn't come 100% hold up. Some of that is because the effects, while they're hokey, they, they kind of ride the line between being like, you know, bad and so bad they're good, but mostly just kind of bad, you know, and um, it's, re- it's really uneven. Um, but yeah, it definitely reminded me of like a TV miniseries. Had this been broken up into yeah. four episodes, I think it would have been a lot more successful, but it's probably too dark and too uh, racist for, for like, you know, network television at like Halloween time. Right. Mike, as you get to it, I'm going to comment on the effects and I think Josh, I'm going to change your mind. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, no, and you're going to like it. No, yeah. No, I'll say this. is Tegan and I both, I enjoyed the effects and I enjoyed how like hokey and stupid they are. But I also like that kind of thing. I, it's hard for me to recommend the effects, the movie based on the effects, because like, you know, Tegan at 16 is watching it and just going like, oh, God, like, look at that bad green screen. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I know. Like, to me, I think it's fun because I like the hokiness of it. And, you know, it's kind of dumb. But I, I don't think Frank Lelogia was going for that. So I don't well, know how successful it was. You could probably make a two-hour compilation movie of somebody falling off a cliff in green screen. You know, like <laughs> that, the end of RoboCop, uh, Die well, Hard. All yeah. those scenes of, like, actually, Die Hard was live. But you know yeah. what I mean? Of that, like, I'm falling backwards. Ah! But, but it's yeah, totally green screen. screen. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, and like Robocop is one of my favorite movies of all time, but I I can't defend when you know Dick falls out of the skyscraper <laughs> and his arms are six feet long. Like I just can't defend it. I love yeah. the movie. I love that the effect is so notoriously stupid, and it's like a fun aspect of the movie that I don't want anyone to ever fix with some kind of a remaster version but at the same time you can't look at that and be like well it's the best they could do because like no they did so much better even in other parts of the same movie you know yep. <laughs> right yeah no i i completely agree uh with you guys with you guys about how good this movie is like i i really do like it um and like i said it's been many many years since i've watched it uh so and it 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 hit me it hit me way more in the feels this time around than it had previously like i always found it kind of a depressing you know sad movie but this time around it really hit me um i'm i'm kind of mad at myself that i did not pick up on the subtext that you were talking about mike like i just i always just read it as he's a he's a killer you know i never read it as molestation and yeah. That makes it so much creepier now that you know um, now that you say that. Um, uh, but I'm not just all fart jokes, believe <laughs> it or not. Uh, I mean, like I did. I don't want to call it a dissertation because it was community college, but I mean, I did my dissertation on this. I did the work, mm-hmm. um, and I'll tell everybody awesome. about the legend of the lady in white at the end. So I don't spoil the theater of the mind as you relive the movie because you're great at that, Mike. Um, <laughs> Of reminding people, like, I've seen this, and you know, you're like, oh, yeah, that scene, that scene, that scene. Um, I'm not going to tell you how the sauce is made until the end. Sounds good. <laughs> but no, I, um, th- this is one of those movies that uh, there, there are certain scenes that I find like super creepy for no reason. Like, I shouldn't say no reason, but like, like when, uh, when Frankie is locked in the uh, cloakroom. And once it gets dark and you hear the church bells, like just that idea of being trapped in a closet, like overnight where no one knows where you are, like something about that always scared the shit out of me as a kid. And like still to this day, like when I watch that scene, I get that nostalgic fear, like that anxiety building up, like, fuck, what, like, how's it going to get out of there? Like that, just that weird feeling of like, I'm really uncomfortable. Um, And this movie does that a few times, like the scene where he's trapped in the car. You know, and and like he's trying to like figure out how to get away from the killer. That scene again, like it gets that anxiety flared up. Like it's it's very good at making those extremely tense moments. It's, um, it's very good at putting you in the shoes of a ten year old boy. Yeah, and making uh, you feel helpless. And frames it yeah. and puts you back in the mindset of being ten and how helpless you were. Yeah, and I mean, as it, an adult, you're locked in a in a room with a closet with a glass door. Mm-hmm. You're going to yep. just break the door and get out, <laughs> right. right? Not when you're 10. Nope. You're going to be trapped in there waiting for someone to come and you know, help you. 
if yeah. Josh is sitting in the parking lot right now of a doggy daycare, if an old <laughs> Italian man tries to break in his car and rape him, he's going to beat the shit out of him, and this isn't a discussion. Or put oh, up right. enough, enough of a fight where it's not worth doing that. Yeah. As a 10-year-old kid, you're helpless. Yeah. And the, the camera angles and everything, it frames it so it's terrifying. Right. And, and yeah. you know just enough while you're watching the story to be terrified. Yeah. No oh, more, absolutely. no less. I, I end up watching this the same day that I watched Friday the 13th Part 2 in my like annual rewatch. And one of my favorite scenes from that movie, and I don't remember the character's name, but it was the the girl who was trying to uh, seduce uh, the guy in the wheelchair. And she like goes back to her cabin to like brush her hair and put on a fresh pair of underwear. And she's like digging around in her car and uh, she's like hiding from him in the car and Baghead like pops up and no no I'm sorry it wasn't her it was uh it was it was uh it Ginny. was uh Ginny Gin- later on I'm confusing yeah. the yep. two scenes yeah but you're right so yeah Ginny later on and she's in the car she's trying to lock the doors and like Baghead like pops up and like looks through the glass and I always love that scene because it's like this one little split second but it's like a little bit of a jump scare like just enough to remind you that this dude is creepy as fuck and I, that's and I ended up watching the same day so I, w- I had the same thoughts while I was watching this like uh, now realizing this like you know elderly like uh you know molester popping up around the car trying to get in and i was like yeah that's pretty fucking creepy yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah it is. Uh, beware of bears i uh my first ever published writing was actually my second but this is where i was like credited in horror hound magazine i wrote a retrospective about friday the 13th part two mm-hmm. and basically it was a challenge like nobody can write anything interesting about this and i wrote about how Ginny's the best final girl because she's so believable and scared. And this is the only movie that Jason's scary, in yeah. my opinion. Um, because there's it's still a funny movie if you you're a sick bastard, but she's very believable, <laughs> like hiding under the bed, peeing her pants. Yeah. Um, I Anyways. pointed out to Tegan. I pointed out to Tegan how believable it was at one point when she's running away, when she gets to the little creek in the woods, right before she gets to the Jason's shack where you know she encounters uh, his mom's head. There, you see that little creek that we saw earlier when the when the police officer was chasing Jason, and she like stops to catch her breath, and then she's like visibly exhausted, like doesn't want to get up and keep running, but has to anyway. And I remember pointing that out, thinking, see, like you never see that in horror movies. She didn't just oh. like trip and fall over and lay there screaming. Like she stopped and caught her breath for a second because goddamn she's exhausted after all this screaming and panicking and running. Like I don't care how good of a shape you're in, you're going to be hyperventilating at a certain point running away from the serial killer. Absolutely. Uh, I don't think she gets enough credit, and she's my personal favorite final girl. Um, you know, I've always always wanted to see a, a Friday the Thirteenth movie where all the final girls get together to try to take down Jason. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think rentals notes. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think the time for that was so long ago, but not in oh, theater yeah. of the mind where everybody is uh, eternally youthful. But my two, my two favorite final girls, Ginny and Roger from Night of the Demons. Ah, uh, Roger's so underrated. <laughs> He's such a good character. Uh, carry on. Sorry, but, but no, I, I, I just, just a little one more Friday the Thirteenth note. Like, had they in the early two thousands, around the time of Jason X, had they done like a a meeting of the final girls, like that totally would have worked. It was the right time frame. They could have pulled it off. Everyone was still young enough to to pull it off. But you know, it is what it is. Unfortunately, 
Um, but yeah, so like I said, we're, we're not really going to go through this blow by blow, but let's kind of set up the the opening here. So we have uh, Frankie coming back from Los Angeles to uh, Willow's Point Falls or Willow Point Falls um, to kind of just visit his hometown. And he narrates, as as you said, Mike, like very stand by me. Uh, we find out he's an author. He writes like horror novels um, and he's narrating what happened to him as a child. And we meet his uh, we meet his family in the 1960s here. I love the family family in this like every time that we went back to uh the scarletti's house and we saw like the interactions with grandma and grandpa and his dad every time it was heartwarming like um, i really like this family this the flashback seems every time i watch it seems wholly unnecessary mm-hmm. um yeah it didn't because, need that framing device you yeah, know he lives wordless. it like yeah. it takes the suspense out of the end of the movie because he's there yeah, and plus it's, it's just written me. really badly. Sorry, yeah, it's it's just written yeah. really badly too. Especially too. since he's supposed to be a writer, and he's a shitty writer as an adult. As a kid, his story was dumb too. But like he was a kid, you know, <laughs> yeah. and so uh, you, you go with it. But as an adult, like he's just a bad writer, so the whole scene is just annoying. He, he's mm. kind of like Dean Kuntzy. Uh Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, but this family is very, very Rochester. So Rochester has a huge Italian population. Whereas Buffalo has a ton of Polish people, or uh, as you guys like to be called, filthy Polacks. Um, but this is like this type of extended family is still all over Rochester. Mm-hmm. And it cracks me up because growing up, just like my wife's family, you get that like grandpa who can't stop smoking, mm-hmm. the old world grandma, all of it. People See, named now, Gino. <laughs> you know, it's... That's also a Falls thing. Like that uh, downtown Niagara Falls. Because growing up, we had, well, we had the Spanish-American picnic every year. Because there was a huge Spanish population in Niagara Falls. But there was also a huge Italian population. So we had, it was funny, it was the Spanish-American picnic. But there was also a lot of old Italian families that would come and join us. Um, so it's like, I grew up around a lot of these old Italian families that were like this, you know? So I mean, that might be why it's, it's so like heartwarming for me. Cause it reminds me of my childhood, um, particularly hanging out with my grandparents and their friends. Uh, but yeah, there was always like the, the little old Italian dude who was like, you know, like, ah, hey, shut up, leave me alone. You know, with, you know, his wife nagging at him to stop eating certain things or stop smoking. It, it just, it, it hit it hit that nostalgic nerve perfectly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, I, I just, I think that the grandma and grandpa are fucking adorable in this. Like I, I love <laughs> the scene where he's trying to drown himself cause he's mad that she hit his smokes. And, and then like, she's like, <laughs> she goes, I hope you forget. You remember to take off your new watch. And he pulls his head up with his watch still on. And he goes, son of a bitch. Like that. <laughs> I fucking lost it. And all <laughs> this is so funny, good. but like, what does this do to the plot? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it has absolutely nothing to do it all it is is just like family moments like yeah all just... all this establishes is how nice the family is because they saved the teenage ver- like the killer as a kid as a kid that you get to but they're like in the movie a lot yeah it's i think it's just the director had an extended italian family and put oh, them yeah. in the movie the writer he's the writer director producer um yeah, but if you didn't have that growing up, I'm so sorry because it's awesome. <laughs> it really is, but like, yeah, I just every every scene with them, I I had I had a I had a grin on my face, um, and then again the interactions between Frankie and Gino, 
being being the little brother, you know, like having an older brother like that who used to jump out and scare the shit out of me all the time, um, who would go out of his way to try to terrify me uh, just as a joke, uh, like that hit home so fucking strongly because it's like, yeah, my whole fucking childhood was my older siblings, but particularly my older brother, you know, waiting around a corner to jump out and scare the crap out of me or like when, uh, you know, when he was the 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 one in charge when my parents went out, you know, bowling or went out on a date or something, you know, and, and he would be left kind of watching me. Uh, he would like turn off the fucking power and like chase me around the house, like just scary shit, you know, but older brother stuff. Yeah, Justin's older than you, right, Josh? Yeah, he is. He's two years uh, older than me. So did he torture we, we, you? <laughs> we had a little bit of that. Not really like Halloween pranks. We had like April Fool's Day pranks for sure. I think Justin was more into doing that. You know, the classic uh, plastic wrap on the the toilet seat and the peanut butter on the doorknob and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, but uh, we were pretty close in age. Uh, just, I mean, two years. I mean, that, that's enough, you know, to for the older brother, you know, to to be a little bit of a bully sometimes. And, you know, I was always a little jealous. He got to do things before I did. And, you know, he he might listen to this, so I'll be nice about it. But, you know, I was never allowed to, like, touch his drum set, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> um, but then also we moved around a lot until we moved to the falls when I was nine. Uh, so even though, like, I grew up in the falls, like, that's my perception of it. But I didn't actually move there till I was nine and Justin was 11. And he has a little bit more of a connection to the little town in Massachusetts where we used to live, which is a lot like the town in the movie. You know, it's like little small town America called uh, Pepperell, Massachusetts. He has more of a connection to that than I do because I don't remember it as much as he as he does. But, yeah, we moved around a lot before that. So we kind of stuck together. You know, we, we were buds uh, kind of helping helping each other survive the moves and being the new kid and stuff like that. But uh, but yeah, I never really had the experience of like the, the older brother who's constantly torturing you with like horrific pranks and, you know, or beating <laughs> you up or that kind of thing. Yeah, I have the exact same dynamic with my brother. I'm the older brother. We moved a ton. Like I lost count. Uh, but it was more of an adversarial kind of thing. There's lots of like farting on his head kind of stuff like classic nice. older brother um anyways mike take it away and i uh yeah no i i didn't i didn't have the like there wasn't so much the beating up or anything um like we we definitely uh fought but it was never like trying to beat the hell out of each other it was just like you know ha i'm stronger than you like that type of like you know play fighting uh but yeah he did he did definitely torment me as far as like you know he had me convinced that you guys remember the the troll from Cat's Eye, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. He, the red he had cat. Me yeah, he had me convinced that those lived in our walls, um, <laughs> and he kept nice. like taking my toys and he'd take them apart and be like, he he would say at night like the toys would come to life to protect me from the <laughs> trolls, and then he would nice. like leave pieces of my GI Joes and be like, oh no, Bazooka got killed last night on watch, and I'd be like, oh god, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> like he used to do stuff like that and freak me out but yeah, uh but yeah five, your brother <laughs> I, 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 oh dude he could tell so many stories like it's 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 hilarious looking back on it but yeah it was pretty traumatizing as a child hey you should do a patreon special where you get him on and you just have him uh just do an interview where you just have him like tell all these stories like oh there was this one time mikey little bitch listen to this <laughs> <laughs> You know, he would probably love that, honestly, because he, he loves telling stories. about like he has 
he has turned my childhood trauma into like bedtime stories for his children. So when they see me, they're like, Uncle Mike, dad was telling me about the time that he locked you in the cubby hole. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's fun, right? <laughs> yeah. Good times. Good times. Yeah. Well, exactly. I, I want to say on that same point, though, like back talking about the movie, the, there's a scene pretty early in the movie where yeah, uh, little Frankie rides his bicycle into that wet cement, you know? Yes. And and then Gino comes up and is like, oh, man, I'm, I'm so sorry. And then immediately he's like, you're cool, right? Cool. I'm, I'm going to go in this store and buy some shit to prank my friends later. And just right. leaves his little brother completely douched in fucking concrete, like wet cement. <laughs> right. there like are... he, didn't, he didn't help him get cleaned up or nothing. There's two yep. things about this whole sequence that bug the hell out of me. One, where he tackles him in the beginning and he says, you have such beautiful brown eyes. <laughs> what? And two. creepy. Yeah, like he, yeah, he, there's an opening, haha, funny, like kid shenanigans scene where Frankie and his brother are racing to school and Frankie ends up crashing his bike in wet cement. Mm-hmm. He spends the rest of the day covered in cement. Nobody says anything. Yeah, he's even got it on his face when he's telling the yeah. story. <laughs> The teacher's never like, go wash up. Right. Go home. You have yeah, cement right? in your hair. <laughs> the, the cement does make his jack-o'-lantern look creepier, though, so I'll give it that much. But True, yeah. true. I'm like, I was just so annoyed at Gino. Like, dude, get a hose, get a bucket, something. And then there's, like, other people, like, obviously extras, but, like, townspeople who are, like, walking into the same little drugstore, and they just, like, walk right past them, don't even look, you know? Like, <laughs> like, just like fuck just, that kid. Exactly. Or this is just like everyday hijinks. Like, oh, another fucking kid ruined the cement yep. again. You know, like, There's what Frankie. kind of a town is this? Why well, we can never have proper sidewalks, little shit. <laughs> <I know. laughs> this is why we can't balance. have nice things. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> but now, like, once he, he gets to school, um, one thing that, that really hit me in the nostalgia feels was that fucking Halloween party at school. Because now... I don't know how it is now, but my God, when I was a kid, that's how Halloween parties at school were. It was like, you're all dressed up. There's decorations everywhere. They're playing music. You're eating cupcakes. You're just all sugared up. It was like a free day. You know, it was great. So I saw that and I was like, oh, my God, I remember elementary school parties like that. In my elementary school, we had a Jehovah's Witness kid. Mm. And his fucking parents would not let anything like that happen. And it sucked. Oh, that, that sucks. sucks. We and had a Jehovah's like, Witness in my school, and they, they, he just didn't come to school that day. I, yeah. He was such a cool kid. I felt so bad for him because he was not like that. But his parents were like, no, no holidays. And, like, if you were in his class, you were just like, you saw him at the beginning of the year. You'd be like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> You're like, no birthdays, no Christmas, no Valentines, no Halloween, nothing. See that's that that's shitty though, because like I said, we had a Joe's witness, uh, a kid in my he was in my class, and then his younger brother was in the class underneath us. And like I said, they just wouldn't show up on like normal holidays, or maybe I shouldn't say normal, but you know they wouldn't show up on Halloween and Valentine's Day or whatever. And when there was a birthday, you know he would just politely decline to share in the cupcake, and it was like yeah. no big fucking deal, you know. And uh, so like, in fact, hey man, we're not gonna tell anybody. Have a cookie. Yeah. Right. So here, here's a here's a trivia that only the three of us will care about in the hot garbage episode of Raised by Rentals. When I told the story about the kid who went to a friend's house and like the dogs licked the plates instead of washing them. Well, my Jehovah's Witness friend, he was not the kid with the dog plates. He was the kid who 
went there and ate dinner at that house and then came back to school the next day and told us all like this fucking crazy story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, that's crazy. I I also, uh, I know we can't say it. uh, So I'm just going to allude to it, but um, there's another reference to that episode with this movie is the, the actor Lucas Haas. uh, We, we had talked about uh, someone else (laughs) being similar yeah. to an actor and that was the actor we were referring to yes um, so if you listen to the th- th- this is our crossover you have to listen to the race parentals episode then listen to this episode to yeah. put together the mystery of hot garbage this exactly. is the asterisk which, which, which of course was based on the count yeah yep it'll yeah, say exactly. please see yeah, issue please see. <laughs> whatever for this reference right exactly <laughs> But so now at, at the, the school party, uh, we get Frankie telling a, a story. Was it the, the Beast That Ate London or something like that? Or Beast That Destroyed London? Um, <laughs> He's a shitty author. <laughs> it is. It is. It's, it's a terrible story. But his delivery at the end was pretty good. He got that last line stinger in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where it's like, could it have had a baby? Um, but yeah, I, I like the, uh, there's the, the one little girl that clearly has a crush on him. Just like staring at him the whole time and then like the other kids reactions like the kid eating the cupcake in terror <laughs> like when he's just trap like... jaw staring at him yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> she's so terrifying <laughs> there's so many funny moments in the background during this scene but then you know and like at the very end i like how the little girl's like i wish i was as weird as you and then she like dances out of the room I'm like, <laughs> what school lets you bring a lit pumpkin? I know, right? And then they left it lit because he blows yeah. it out later. I mean, I get it's just for effect, but like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, see, of course, it was like the 60s, so they, they probably could get away with like dangerous shit, like putting real candles in. But as far yeah. as leaving it lit, I, I thought it, I took it that like it was the bully kids who lit it because they wanted Frankie to go into the classroom because they were trying to lure him into the cloakroom to like lock him in. So I thought it was like right. part of their big scheme was they, they lit the candle so that Frankie would be like, what the fuck? Like, why is my pumpkin lit up and like get creeped out and go in there? Kids need I'll fucking let- hobbies. <laughs> no that's a good point i didn't i didn't think of that i just felt like the the teacher was just like ah fuck that pumpkin i'm done yeah. <laughs> my my school day's over <laughs> i'm gonna go <laughs> drink heavily and pass out right yeah i think so, it's always been true that teachers don't get paid enough so they're just like you know fuck it ain't my problem anymore i don't get paid for this shit right it's three o'clock my worries are done it's all the but, teachers listening totally cool go for it exactly <laughs> But so basically the, the bullies pull this prank on him where they take his his hat out of his pocket and hide it in the cloakroom. And then I love how quote unquote subtle they are later when they go outside and, and they're like, hey, Frankie, sure is cold. Got anything to keep your head warm? <laughs> it's like, yeah, you ain't subtle, kid. Um, but then and he even, realizes. And Frankie's like, nah, I'm fine. I'll get it Monday. <laughs> Yeah, he didn't care. Like, he's basically saying, like, you know, oh, I must have forgot it inside. Like, eh, it's, it's okay. And they're like, well, no. What if the janitor takes it and gives it to his kids? Like, they try to, like, force him in there. And, and it's they, a lot they of, say some very racist things. Yeah, I was going to say, they, they make uh, the, the one the one kid that I was getting confused with, uh, the other kid from Monster Squad, that, that little bully, is making some very uh, racist comments he's about the janitor. Flick from Christmas Story. Yeah, basically, he's he's a dick. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he's explaining how 
you know, he thinks he's going to steal the hat and give it to one of his kids. And then he starts making fun of the girl who uh, Frankie has a crush on. And, and, you know, he's basically saying that she's a black kid, even though she's a white kid. He's just making fun of her. Yeah. And Frankie knocks him the fuck out. And it's an open-handed punch. <laughs> Did you see that hit that he, he, like, hits him in the face? He basically slaps him into unconsciousness. Fuck around to find out. <laughs> Frankie wasn't playing. But I love how casually Frankie walks away after he does that. He's just like, you know, he he knocks kid out and then he walks back to the school like, I'm going to get my fucking hat. You know, and the, the other kid, like, helps his friend up. He's like, wow, I wish I was in love. It's like, <laughs> yeah, Frankie rides oh. the line. He rides the line between like being gullible and like easily manipulated by these bullies who trick him like two more times. Like, let's be clear. Yeah. But at the same time, he is willing to fight back. Oh, yeah. No, he he definitely he, he didn't he didn't hesitate. He just fucking slapped that kid. But so he goes inside and he gets locked in because the bullies trick him. They lock him in the cloakroom. And then they fucking leave. They're like, fuck you, kid. Fuck you, Frankie. Like, we're out. And they just leave him to stay there overnight. And it's genuinely spooky. Like, he's he's trapped in the cloakroom. He, he climbs up on the shelf. And he's, like, looking outside. And he sees the kids running away, like, through the graveyard that's right across the street from the school, apparently. Um, you know, and he's, uh, he's just, he's left to stay there overnight. He eventually falls asleep. He has a dream about his mother's funeral. So this is where we find out that his mom passed away. And it's actually, it's, it's, it's pretty fucking sad. It is. Um, it's like that, again, hit me in the feels. And then, like, he wakes up crying. And he hears the church bells nearby. And he, he said that it's like, even though, uh, you know, he was trapped in that cloakroom, it was comforting to him to have some familiarity with those church bells. And when he's hearing that, that's when we see the ghost of Melissa Montgomery. So we see this little girl, like this ghost of a little girl, like come through the door. She's talking to somebody that we can't see. And she's singing that, uh, you know, what is it? Have you ever seen a dream walking? I, I don't know if that's the name of the song, but. Um, so go for it. This scene. Everybody watches it and they're like, oh, man, these special effects are so cheesy. Oh, they're dumb. But I actually like these effects. You know what I think of when I see this? Hmm. Unsolved mysteries. <laughs> so, yeah. I actually do really like the ghost effects too. I think it's creepy because it's lo-fi enough to just feel kind of wrong. Like it's not supposed yeah. to be there. Yeah, Uncanny Valley. But mm-hmm. man, any Unsolved Mysteries episode with a ghost in it, when I was a kid, oh boy, you're in for a well, good time. They were scary. Unsolved Mysteries, like, still to this day, when I hear that music, I get a little creeped out. Yes. <laughs> it's like... Robert, Robert Stack? Yep. Yeah. His yeah, voice. His, and his then, vo- like... Oh, yeah. Oh. His voice is like, he should have been one of those, like, horror anthology TV show, like, narrators. I mean, he kind of was with Unsolved Mysteries, but, right. yeah, and he should have been like a like a Billy Bob or a uh, Hitchcock or somebody. Although, uh, his, his role in Basketball... Uh, kind, kind of ruined that. <laughs> Update. We still don't know where these fucking guys are. <laughs> I, I love that. But, uh, so yeah, he sees the ghost. Um, you know, she's talking to some unseen individual and then starts to panic and says that she wants to go home. She wants her mother and she's freaking out. And then we see this unseen force, like, start choking her out. And it's horrifying. Like, this scene is genuinely upsetting. Um, and he, you know, the person, the, the unseen force killing her, 
basically kills the girl, or we think he does. And then we see the girl get lifted up and carried out of the room again. But during the struggle, we see something fall down the vent in the cloakroom, which will be important. So Frankie's sitting there watching all this kind of in a panic. Then suddenly someone comes into the room and we see they got a flashlight. They're all in black, so we can't really see like who it is. Um, and they start working on opening up the vent, trying to get in there. And then we get Chekhov's rat. <laughs> it's like this freaking rat shows up out of nowhere. Right. And the Ginny connection from Friday the 13th Part 2, because when she was under the bed and pissing herself, yeah. there was a rat. Yep. It's all connected. There- I always think he's going to pee in that scene, and he doesn't. I mean, I kind of would (laughs) have. But, like, they never really established, like, why why the killer shows up that night, other than for dramatic effect. No, they they do. They 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 absolutely do. Yeah, because they say, um, what is it, the the next day when they're talking about uh, the janitor being taken in as as the prime suspect who attacked Frankie... um, you know, the, the, was it Tony makes the comment of, we were just there today to put in the new furnace. Oh, and okay. So, and, and he was, he's pissed off freaking out. Yeah. So the guy knew also, he had to come back to get the ring. So, yeah, I'm sorry, didn't ahead. want to be found. No, no, was, no, sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean, I, I thought you were done. No, I was going to say the teacher too, during the Halloween party, actually, actually yeah. when it's over and the kids are leaving, she is like, oh, like bring a coat, dress warmly or whatever on Monday. Like, you know, the furnace might not be working because they're putting a new one in. So, yeah, they definitely laid it down, but it, it wasn't as, like, in your face obvious as the ring clue. Like, the ring, right. the class ring clue is it's it's a perfect example of like really really heavy-handed foreshadowing because so many times it's like hey guys did you get the ring did you see the ring connection hey guys guys did you see the (laughs) ring were you paying attention there's a ring guys (laughs) look at this ring right here hey gino go look at the ring again and do it again gino look at the ring again oh gino's kind of a dick about the ring but you know we'll, we'll get to that um yeah so yeah, so basically this this uh, this rat, you know, it making no it's making noise. The person looks up, sees the rat, looks away, goes back to working on the vent. The rat climbs up on Frankie. Frankie ends up kicking it off of him, and that's when the guy notices Frankie, and is immediately like, "Who are you? What did you see? What do you know?" And when Frankie's trying to explain, you know, my friends locked me in here. I, I couldn't get out. The dude just starts choking him, and it's like he starts fucking killing Frankie and like we see his hand come down over his eyes and Frankie narrates saying that you know even though his eyes were closed he could still see and we get this vision of like him kind of having an out-of-body experience flying around the town you know seeing different people and then eventually he goes to the graveyard where he sees the little ghost girl sitting in front of uh, two gravestones talking about how she can't find her mother um and when Frankie comes back like when he's resuscitated by his dad you know, he's we find out that he had been you know, he wasn't breathing at that point. So he technically did die. He had you know, he he died momentarily. Um, but, yeah, then they, they find the poor janitor who was asleep down in the basement because he had a couple of drinks on the job. And, uh, you know, hey, who doesn't want to do that from time to time? Um, and uh, they they arrest him because it's convenient, unfortunately, because of yay racism. Um, um, does that happen at the hospital, Mike? What's that? Drinking on the job? You know, if you're like, is the janitor is like in the boiler room? Does he have like a little TV and a chair? Now, well, in the boiler room, yeah, they have they do have uh, a, a TV and like a bed because they're technically not allowed to leave. 
Um, they have to be down there to monitor. It's kind of like my job where I'm not allowed to leave once I'm in there unless I have relief because okay. you, have, you have to monitor the alarms. So someone has to be there if those alarms go off. So like if something goes wrong with the boiler, like they have to be there to set it right. Cause if that boiler goes like, well, half the hospital and a city block is gone. Um, but like the, we have had housekeepers who have unfortunately lost their job due to coming to work drunk or drinking on the job. So definitely does happen. But you can sleep yeah. in the boiler room. In the boiler room, yeah. Yeah, you you technically can sleep because the alarms are so ungodly loud, you are not going to sleep through it. Wow, that sounds like an awesome job. <laughs> yeah, no, trust me. I, I wanted to get in there because it's it's also really good pay, but it's also because there is a very high level of danger um, because oh, if something okay. goes wrong with the boiler, yeah, you you're might fucked. Die. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, not only that, but if, if, like, if, if there's a steam leak, you're not going to see the steam. Like, you'll hear it, but... It's it's like you remember uh, the the stories in World War Two how like the the guys on the submarines used to carry the um, it was like a pipe with a rope and another pipe on it and they would carry it out in front of them when they were going down to the engine room because if there was any steam leaks it would it would cut that pipe in half like it was that hot um, and that's kind of the same thing with these boilers if there's any kind of leak and you happen to be walking around it and you get hit with that you're pretty much dead. Like you, you have to know, like, is there a leak? Is something wrong? So yeah, you got to monitor that shit. Like Bennett and uh, commando. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Bennett. Yeah. I I worked at, I worked at a job where, where people were like drunk pretty regularly. I don't know that I want to name it, even though I'm pretty sure none of the people in question work there anymore, but it was in Buffalo and it was a place where I worked where there was a factory or sorry, like a warehouse. And I worked in the office part. And well, first of all, like the guy who was like the CEO or whatever his title was, the guy in charge, he was just red nosed and shit faced most of the time. And, but it was like <laughs> a functioning, he's like a functioning alcoholic. So like no one really said anything. He just had like a flask in his you know pocket or whatever. Um, but the guys in the warehouse, they, they pretty much just like, you know, casually drank beers all day. Like it was no big deal. Like nobody was getting trashed, you know, but they were just, just drinking beers on the job and just hanging out. And whenever it was quitting time, most of them wouldn't leave right away. I don't know that most of them like had like families, uh, but they would just stick around and they would smoke cigarettes and smoke blunts and drink beers and just like hang out like in the loading dock. And there was this one little part where um, the, the warehouse, which originally uh, had like an had an apartment in it for some reason. I don't know what it was in a previous life before they converted it. But yeah, there was like a little like a uh, little kitchenette and like a little fold out bed. And I don't. I, there's so many times I would go in in the morning and somebody from the warehouse would like be stumbling out of that like little bedroom area. And it was like, yeah, that dude, you know, got drunk, passed out, and like slept here. And there was even one time when there was a blizzard and. Uh, none of us like could get to work. We were all like stuck at home, but we were supposed to get to work because it was like an emergency thing. And the only guy that was there was the foreman who passed out drunk the night before and just happened to still be there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess that one didn't benefit him there. (laughs) Nope. So he was the only one like left trying to deal with, uh, you know, like the weather emergency, but anyway. All right. So, um, so, yeah, so basically we find out the next day after the janitor had been arrested and, you know, Frankie had been saved. We find out that he would have been the 12th victim in a string of unsolved child murders. Uh, we see a newspaper clipping about it, uh, like Gino is all teasing Frankie saying, you know, oh, you could have been number 12, you know, and then he's. we find out basically this has been going on for a while. So 
Uh, the dad is not so convinced that the janitor did it. He he clearly doesn't trust that that was him. Um, he thinks that there's more to it. We also find out here that Phil, one of his friends, is like a brother to him because he his his parents died when he was a kid, and uh, the Scarlettis took him in. So he's basically grown up with uh, with you know Angelo and and his family. Um, so he's he's basically part of the family. He's like an adopted and brother. This is where the the film really hammers in the casual racism of the region, um, yes. which unfortunately is still very much alive. Uh, I hate to yeah, say Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it is unfortunate because it's, it's the same thing in, in the falls in Buffalo. There's a lot of that crap still. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we, we see like the, one of the friends, what is it? Tony, I think is his name. It really, it right away believes that it's a janitor and he, he starts going off about his his racist thoughts on that um but again dad isn't convinced uh phil doesn't seem to be convinced either um which we'll find out why and uh so we we uh, let's fast forward a little bit to um uh frankie saying his, his prayers that night and including melissa in them and after he falls asleep we see we hear her singing and we see like things around his room being moved. So, and then we pan up and see what we think to be the lady in white watching him through the window. Which, when we find out who that really is, it's kind of fucking creepy. Um, but she was just staring at him in the window, and it doesn't make any sense. No, it, it really it's doesn't. like a two-story window, so <clears throat> Mona can fly. Apparently, it's, it's a MacGuffin mm -hmm. that doesn't really need to be a MacGuffin. But, anyways. I yeah, wonder, it is a really creepy scene, though. Uh, that's, one the, uh, that's one of the scenes that got me as a kid. Red oh, herring, same. sorry, not MacGuffin. It, it also makes me wonder, though, is it meant to be, like, a dream? Like, is it meant to have actually happened? Are we supposed to be, like, seeing what Frankie's dreaming about? I, I don't know. Like, it just because it doesn't make sense otherwise. I dream of Mona coming to me at night. Well, I mean... Well, I leave my window <laughs> open. What kid from the 80s doesn't? Come on now. <laughs> Everybody was going after uh, Blanche Devereaux on the Golden Girls. Not me. It's Mona. <laughs> She's the boss, damn it. Um, but anyway. so the we church the, gingers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I um, the next day we cut to, uh, to the families at church. And we see this really upsetting moment where... The, the priest is basically talking about how, you know, thankfully Frankie survived and, you know, like, you know, he, he's praying for the souls of the other children that they have found peace. And then we get Mrs. Uh, was it Siak? I think her name is. Um, she like jumps up and is basically talking about how come my Richie had to die? How, you know, he was your son's no better than mine. Like she's making a huge scene. And then she turns and starts yelling at the janitor's family who tries to leave you know, tries to get out before the scene gets any worse. And then the, uh, the mom ends up fainting and it's, it's just, it's very upsetting. Um, but then we, we see Frankie at school going, he finally opens up the vent and he goes through, he finds a barrette, some toys and a, and a man's ring, like a class ring. We get, uh, we're going to speed through here a little bit, but time passes. We see that it's now Christmas time. Uh, there's one little thing I want to mention at the Christmas party at the school. We see the, the kids trying to teach the teacher limbo and the bully trying to look under her skirt repeatedly. I oh. agree. Oh, I think that was the dog, wasn't it? <laughs> that was kid like, is a sound? dog. Yeah, exactly. Hank agrees. <laughs> 
Yeah, sorry. I, I got to get Hank because he, he's been howling the whole time, and I keep trying to mute it out, and I missed that no, one. So. No worries. But yeah. No, hey, right. it, it happens. We get cat interruptions all the time. I'm not worried about it. Um, right. So um, we see uh, – we, we cut to, to Frankie at home at night, and we see uh, – we hear – the did you ever see a dream walking song start playing he goes down to investigate he finds melissa standing in his living room holding a white angel asking him to help you know to help her find her so she she wants to find her mother and she's you know the angel represents her mom the lady in white um so then we we uh we cut to a little time after after christmas where Frankie is sitting in, uh, he's his sitting in tree. his, yeah, his, his thinking tree where he's like, everyone needs a place to go where you can be alone. And he's just got a tree out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Like, along the side of the road where the, the mailman comes up and he's like, Hey, that package you've been waiting for, I dropped off. And Frankie runs I, out. I had spots like that as a kid. Oh yeah. You but know, I like, just, none of mine were the by the side side of the road. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> mine were kind of hidden. But, and we're uh, in the actual woods. Yeah, same. You know, or like uh, there was a few places ar- around my neighborhood where there was like, you know, abandoned lots that were just kind of overgrown. And you find the the shrubbery you can kind of hide behind. <laughs> so shrubbery, shrubbery. But uh, so Frankie goes home. He, you know, he checks, you know, checks the package, finds that he got a typewriter and all these greeting cards that he had ordered that he now has to deliver to, uh, you know, all the people who ordered them. Um, but he drops his the ring on the floor in this scene. So if, for kids who don't know what like VCRs are, you know, like the children that listen to the show, this is a stamp book order, which is something that even predates you and me, Mike. Yep. But uh, people would order things through these catalogs. And if you saved up enough points by, like, completing these orders, you could get a typewriter. Mm-hmm. Something our parents did. Oh, yeah. Like, the, the stuff that we did when, when I was in school, like, you know, the, the selling uh, the candy bars and all that kind of stuff, the yeah. Easter candy. Basically, it was just like, oh, if you sell so many, you get this nifty pencil topper. You it's know, what Girl Scouts a, a does now. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. It's uh, yeah. always... It, it's just ways to make kids, you know, work for free. Yeah, I think this this was the one thing in the movie that I never understood as a kid. And I mean, yeah, some of the social commentary, I'm sure I didn't. But yeah, this is exactly this is exactly what you mentioned about, like, sometimes you watch a movie and Tegan will be like, what's that? And I'm like, oh, that's a Nate track, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Laser disc. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a silver record. <laughs> Those things were indestructible. But anyway, um, so we get uh, Frankie goes to his dad's work to talk to him, but he finds his dad talking to the cop for, who arrested the janitor. Uh, was it Mr. Williams? I think the janitor's name was. Yes. Um, so he he's talking to the, the, the cop and Frankie just kind of listens. We find out here that Angelo does not believe that the janitor did it. He thinks that he his story is, is legit. He had a couple of drinks after work and he passed out. It happens. Like That's how he put it. He was like, it happens. And uh, the other guy, the cop, basically says that these murders have been happening for a long time. They've been making a fool out of the the police force. This guy's a convenient scapegoat because he's black. Like, he just flat out says it. Yeah, I couldn't believe. He he just, he didn't even, like, bullshit. He just came out and was like, yeah, we're going to throw this guy under the fucking bus because fuck him. (laughs) I'm like, geez. Well, that was very, very common. It still is. Oh, absolutely. And it's horrible. Oh, God, yeah. But, But that's the thing, like, like. They were they were more concerned about the the police force's image 
of not being able to stop this killer that had been plaguing their their community for so long. So it's like, well, if we catch this guy, then it looks good on us. Yeah. You know, and it's like, that's fucked. But, but surprise, surprise, the crime is still going to happen because you never caught the actual criminal. Exactly. So uh, meanwhile, uh, Phil comes over to, to talk to Frankie and Frankie just kind of unloads, telling him everything that he saw in one fell swoop. A somewhat confusing Phil, but also kind of alerting him to something is wrong. Um, and then this is where Frankie realizes that the ring that he found in the vent must have belonged to the killer because everything else he found was kid stuff. It was all things that kids would have, like an army man, a jack, a ball, a barrette. And then he finds this ring. Yep. Um, hey, guys, there's a ring. Did you see? Did you notice the ring? Guys, <laughs> look, attention. look, there was a ring. <laughs> and in case you didn't realize, we now see Gino finding the ring and holding it up <laughs> like, ooh, what's this? Hey Gino, there's a ring. <laughs> right, exactly. Now, I should also add, this ring wasn't a panther head with jeweled eyes. Right, and it should have been. God damn That's it, a shame. And all right, <laughs> but continue. so we uh, um, we're we're gonna jump ahead. There's a bunch of fun family moments here. I already mentioned the thing where Grandpa tries to drown himself because of his smokes. We're we're missing. Um, but we Grandpa's we cut the best to... character in the movie. Sorry, I I fucking love Grandpa. <laughs> Grandpa and Grandma, like they they're just fantastic yeah they're they're the perfect amount of levity and i think that's the stuff that i remember when i remember the movie being so good and kind of like family friendly because yeah i mean there's a lot of fucked up stuff in it but like there's fucked up stuff in beetlejuice too but you still think it's great you know right um, yeah like there's a lot of references to like you know uh perversion and suicide and all kinds of shit in beetlejuice but hey it's a fun family movie but yeah and this is the kind of stuff that i always remember that i think you know colors you know, primrose colors my memories of lady in white because i'm like yeah you know grandpa just he's just trying to have a smoke man <laughs> right. and i just i do i gotta say it again i love when when you know he's he's because he's trying to drown himself in the tub because his his wife hit his smokes and uh she goes i hope you remember to take off your new watch and he pulls it up and he goes Son of a bitch! Like, the way he says it makes me laugh every fucking time. What if it's... he was successful? I know, right? <laughs> like, they're just all laughing at him. That'd be a really dark moment. <laughs> be like, Grandpa? Oh, shit. But, uh, so yeah, we, uh, we, we cut from, from all the family stuff. We see Frankie delivering the greeting card orders. And there is a comment about he passes by this house... And there was this crazy woman who apparently lived there who tried to burn herself down in her house. Um, she used to teach piano to all the local kids. But, you know, the authorities saved her. And, you know, then she was in a mental asylum for a while. And, you know, then no one knows what happened to her. Some say she's still living in the house. And as he passes by, we hear the piano playing. That'll come back. Um, dun, so we dun. get the... We get another scene with the bullies, you know, of course, they trick Frankie to come out to, to uh, Widow's Point with him or uh, to, you know, check out the old lady in white's house. Yeah, and there's they... this whole like subplot with a baby alligator. Yeah, because remember, at the beginning yeah. of the movie, we see yeah. the pet store with the baby alligators in the window. <laughs> He's like, was it? I think Sam was the baby alligator's name. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. He just keeps um, yelling at it. And I'm watching the movie like, it's a fucking reptile. Stop screaming at it. Yeah. Like, what do you think that's going to do? Put it in the sewer so Robert Forrester, native of Rochester, <laughs> can fight it in a better movie. 
Oh, God, I love the alligator movies. I know. Tegan saw that at the beginning when the alligators were for sale in the store and was just like, what the fuck, man? Like, the 60s were nuts. And I'm like, yeah, they they really were. You could just buy an alligator at the drugstore. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing. Like, even into the 80s, they were still still selling pet alligators. Mm -hmm. You know, but that that eventually did stop. Clarissa Um, Explains It All had one in the 90s. That's true. I forgot about that. But uh, but yeah, so they they go and explore the old house, and yeah, uh, the bullies scare try to scare Frankie with the baby alligator. The baby alligator escapes, and they're chasing around the house trying to find him. And that's when they when Frankie finds Melissa's bedroom completely untouched. So the rest of the house is all destroyed and old and dilapidated, but this bedroom mm-hmm. is perfectly the way it would look if if a kid still lived there. Um, so he finds the barrettes on the uh, on the nightstand, and he puts the barrette he found from the vent in there, and we see the ma- the matching barrette. Um, so it's clear that this is actually Melissa's room. So then we get the lady in white jump scare where we see Mona pops up behind them, scares the shit out of all the kids. They all take off running. Um, Then we get, you know, Frankie's running through the woods and eventually Gino jumps out to try to scare him, you know, just because that's what older brothers do. And Frankie kicks him in the balls. (laughs) And we get that (laughs) whole comment about like, you know, get a get a doctor for my unborn children. He's like, maybe you won't be doing that under the covers for a while. <laughs> He's like, oh shit, you saw me? I thought you were asleep. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Masturbation joke. Creepy. See, you see, it's family friendly, guys. Come on. I, think, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see what the problem is. Thankfully it goes exactly. so quick that most kids just feel like, what? Right. <laughs> it's not until you're like old and weathered that you catch it and you're like, ew. Yeah. Right, it's like, oh, dude, come on, really? Well, it's like all those like Pixar movies that have like adult jokes in them. Like, you got to keep the parents awake, otherwise, it's just like a twelve dollar nap, you know, to yeah. go see like a cartoon movie. There have been so many times I've gone to the movie theater with my kids, just like this is gonna suck. But hey, whatever, I'll pay matinee prices to take a nap in the middle of the day. But you know, <laughs> then I get like sucked into it, some fucking trolls or some shit, you know? <laughs> right. Fucking Elemental was that way. Oh my uh, god. Yeah. <laughs> and well, oh shit what was the one movie uh i saw it had sorry great podcasting it was uh fucking lyle lyle Al, uh crocodile that's what it was oh. lyle, lyle, oh. and we were the only ones in the theater and griffin was so excited to see it and it was like a sweet movie but i was just like okay i'm gonna settle in and nap through this shit but uh i fucking love what's his name um no country for old men uh, anton sugar i can't can't think of his real name uh, but yeah he's in that movie and he just like chews it up I call those nice. movies chloroform rag movies. <laughs> right, that's what they feel right like out. when I watched. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now there was a lot of that uh, when Caleb was much younger, where we'd be watching. It was usually stuff on TV, like kids shows and whatnot. And I'd be sitting on the couch with him watching. And next thing I know, I'm passed out. But, um, but yeah, so we get the, this whole sequence ha- uh, where, where they're in the woods. Frankie realizes that he lost the ring. He's panicking. And Gino's like, well, what type of ring is it? And he tells him it's an old class ring. And then we see Gino with that guilty look, you know, and he's like, come on, we got to get home before dad freaks out. So they head home. Um, After Frankie falls asleep, Gino takes the ring and goes down to his dad's trunk in the basement. 
he digs around and finds his dad's school ring and sees that it matches the one that he found. Um, we also get a real funny moment where Gino scares the shit out of his grandfather coming down to smoke a cigarette in the basement. Uh, he, he, he says, he say, I forget the, the grandpa's name, but he says his name in like an old woman's voice. He's like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Just gets all scared. I know. I love it. He's like, you know, like, you know, I won't tell if you won't tell. And like, they have like a little moment. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Grandpa's like, oh, deal. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah. We, Gina goes back to the bedroom and he sees Frankie with the ghost of Melissa just dancing around. Now, the fact that Gino can see the ghost, I have a question here. So this this is this ghost is repeating every every night uh, because oh, I'm sorry, I missed a part earlier where Frankie says that when that mom said sometimes when people pass away violently or, you know, like uh, where it's it's a it's a bad thing how they die, their spirit can't rest. So it's basically like this, this plot line of the grudge. If you die, you know, violently, mm. you're cursed to walk. Um, so if she's been going through this every day, why did no one see her before now? You know, because Frankie just kind of saw her and then Gino just saw her. Like, because movie's got a movie. Yeah. It, yeah. Eh, I guess so. I don't know. Like, did you, I don't know, it's like the innocence of youth or some shit. I don't did know. Did you miss the courthouse scene? Mm-mm. Okay. That's, Sorry. uh... Wait, did I miss it? I might have missed that, actually. Wait, hold on. Now that you say that. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that that's probably the most messed up scene. Uh, the entire that second yeah. most messed up yeah. scene. Oh, no, yeah. it's coming up. It's coming up. I just saw okay. my notes. OK, so, yeah. So um, uh, Frankie is, is, you know, hears the uh, but they hear the church bells while they're watching Melissa and Melissa turns and starts going out the window, like heading off somewhere. Frankie realizes that when he heard the church bells before, that's when he saw Melissa and he goes, you know, she, he says she's going to the school. He's going to hurt her. And he runs out and Gino's like, what the hell are you doing? He goes to follow him. So now they're running barefoot through the streets. Um, they get to the school. We see and it's just the fucking school's just unlocked in the middle of the night because like, they open the front door and then see her being carried down the stairs by an unseen force. And then the ghost walks over uh, through through the uh, the graveyard toward uh, Widow's Point. And um, we get uh, Frankie goes running off after the ghost. Gino steps down on like a piece of glass and, you know, gets a it's really actually gnarly gets his, uh, this piece of glass bottle jammed in his foot. Should have went to the doctor. Yeah, I think you might have tetanus. <laughs> yeah, that's that's lockjaw waiting to happen. Right. But so Frankie sees what really happens to Melissa here. So Melissa is is being held over the cliffside and she wakes up. So she wasn't dead. And she starts screaming for her mother, like freaking out, you know, wanting her mom to save her. And it's heartbreaking. Like this yeah. scene is so fucked up. Yeah. And then we see the, you know, the the killer lifts Melissa up. She's screaming. We cut to Frankie closing his eyes and we hear her fall. Um, then we see the, the lady in white come running out, like her mother come running out of the shack, looking around. She sees her daughter. She's so distraught that she ends up throwing herself to her own death. So the, the lady in white kills herself. Um, and, you know, Frankie sees this. So he witnesses everything. The next day, we are at the courthouse, and we find out the janitor has been let go due to insufficient evidence. The town is pissed. Um, we see, like, you know, the, the you know Mr. Williams and his family, they're very happy. He's just got to go back to the, the, poli uh, the police station to get his stuff, and then he's going home. 
uh, Mrs. Siak goes up to Mr. Williams and and because she quote unquote wants to apologize and she apologizes mm-hmm. to him for accusing him. He, you know, he tells her that that means a lot coming from her. And then she says this is for Richie and she holds up a gun and she kills him. Shoots um, him in the head. Yeah and, yeah. and it goes through him and hits his wife on the yeah, other side of the window. That's with, fucked up. Oh, like that's so again, it's like two back to back, like upsetting moments of this movie. Yeah. Fucking rough. Um, Family film. (laughs) Yeah, but there's a funny grandpa who's just trying to smoke a cigarette. Damn it. Like and his his pesky wife's always chasing him around with like a rolling pin. Right. That's what happens. Grandpa tried to commit suicide again. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that grandpa. He sure is crazy. (laughs) Hey, it's PG-13. Damn it. Ah, the Um, 80s. (laughs) I think you're determined to ruin this movie for me, but it ain't going to happen. No, it's, it's a great movie. You just it's it's a it's mature content. You watch it anyways, is because we don't give kids enough credit. Exactly. Yeah. They oh. I could handle it, you know. Whatever. <laughs> but uh so we go we cut back to uh to the Scarlet uh was it Scarletti's house and uh we see Gino doing some investigating. He finds the ring uh from you know his dad's trunk and he looks in his dad's yearbook and sees the initials great engraved in it are his dad's initials. So he cleans up the other ring that he found, sees the initials and looks down and sees that it belongs to Phil. So he now realizes that Phil is the killer. Um and Phil of course went to pick up Frankie from school to take him out uh shooting with uh, with a bow and arrow. There was this whole side plot where they would go out, you know, uh doing some archery and Frankie was called Broken Arrow cuz he had a, a shitty bow that would always hook to the left. Yeah. And they gave him a new bow and yada 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 like, "Oh, we're going to teach you to shoot straight eventually." So we cut to to Phil and Frankie out shooting, you know, some target practice. Um, you know, there, and this is where you were talking about Mike, where he gets in real close with Frankie and it's disturbing. Like he's just kind of like breathing on his face. Once you know the subtext that these aren't just murders, he's a child rapist. Yeah. And the way he, he gets around Frankie and you know, like what his deal is it, the whole thing is just unsettling as hell. Oh God. Yeah. Like, after you said that, it's like, fuck, this adds a whole new layer that I wasn't seeing. <laughs> so, uh, Frankie and his adoptive uncle, mm. he's taking him target shooting, and he gets up and basically holds him and rubs his face up against his to teach him how to shoot uh, an arrow properly. Right. And it's, like, it's know, all sorts of wrong. Yeah. So after they're all done, they're they're going to load up the car, and Phil uh, starts whistling the "Did you ever see a dream walking?" And Frankie overhears it, and he realizes what Melissa had said about how you know the uh, she knew that that was his favorite song because she always heard him whistling it. So she he you know he looks, he sees he sees Phil, realizes what's going on. Phil asks him to hand him the keys, and Frankie kind of pauses. He's like in you know panic mode. And Phil's like, what, what, what's wrong, Frankie? What's going on? And suddenly Frankie starts locking the doors. Phil realizes there's something wrong. He's trying to get into the car. And, you know, Frankie won't let him. Eventually he tries to lock the window on him. And Phil breaks the window and starts coming for him. Like he's, he's at this point, he's in full like killer mode and it's terrifying. Um, so Frankie gets out of the car and takes off. Phil chases after him. 
uh, eventually finds him in the woods and pleads with him, telling him, you know, you know, Frankie, I never would have attacked you if, if I had known it was you. I couldn't see you behind your vampire mask. He's like, I, I would never hurt you, you know, not you. And he keeps mm-hmm. trying to convince him. Um, and so this this forest is like a Tim Burton Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like it's it's on a soundstage and it's nuts. I was going to say totally not a soundstage for us with its right. it's a uh, fog and whatnot, <laughs> but he runs into into the house uh, that was owned by the lady in white. So he, he runs in there and hides. Uh, meanwhile, we see dad and a cop meeting up and Gino comes to tell him what he found. And then back at the lady in white's house, Phil gets a hold of Frankie. Uh, he tells him he won't hurt him as long as Frankie gives him the ring. Phil starts freaking out. Uh, saying, you know, your father can never know. He, he can't know. I couldn't face him if he knew. And then suddenly the lady in white comes over and knocks Phil out with a rock. <laughs> and yeah. Frankie passes out from fear, I guess. Uh, Mona knocks him yes. out with the rock. Well, at this point, you know, it's it's the what they think is the yeah. lady in white. Yeah, we find out in, in a second. Um, but Frankie wakes up inside the house and we see the, the lady in white playing piano. This is where we find out that she was actually the, the woman that everyone talked about being crazy, who you know played piano, tried to burn her house down. And she was the sister of the lady in white. So she's looked after the house and kept uh, her daughter's room, how it always, you know, how it was since she died. Um, and she's clearly a little nuts here, you yeah. know, and uh, suddenly Phil comes in and begins to choke her out. They struggle, knock over a bunch of candles, setting the room on fire. And it's like an instant inferno. <laughs> like, it's just, like, these, they light that shit up quick. It's amazing that it hadn't happened before at that point. Right, exactly. So Phil grabs Frankie and runs out of the blaze with him. Phil attempts to murder Frankie by throwing him over the edge of the cliff, but Frankie clings onto him like a howler monkey and bites his face. <laughs> yes. Which, again... <laughs> Don't underestimate 10-year-olds. No. <laughs> they'll, they'll kick your ass. That kid was a scrapper. But Phil throws Frankie over the side, but Frankie grabs onto a branch. Uh, he tries to climb back up. We see the lady in white appears and flies at Phil, scaring him and making him fall. Frankie watches as the lady in white is reunited with her child, Melissa, and she thanks him. And they kind of turn into stardust and fly away. And then dad and the cops arrive right as Phil starts to climb up, grabbing onto Frankie. Dad grabs Phil and forces him to let go. Uh, dad looks over the edge and sees Phil. He offers him his hand to try to pull him up, but Phil can't face him after what he's done and lets go, killing himself. And we pan out with Frankie and his family, watch, uh, Fa- Frankie and his family and the cops watching the house burn down as it begins to snow. Credits the end. And they don't cut back to the author. Nope. There's no wrap up. <laughs> There's no yeah. wrap up whatsoever. Yeah, I noticed that too. It was so weird. <laughs> I, I I really do like this movie though. Like I know we got it. We got to wrap it up because Josh, I know you you got a limited time frame here, but so we'll just kind of kind of do final thoughts before we get into the trivia and all that. But you know, I I personally really like this. I think it's it's a good film to watch on Halloween, even though it only starts on Halloween and then kind of goes through the rest of the year. But it has enough Halloween themes in it to like really feel like a good Halloween movie. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you picked this man. Cause like I've been meaning to watch it for a long time and this gave me an excuse to, and it it's, it's a good flick. Like it has got a lot of feels in it. Like any, I've always said, if a movie can make you feel something, even if it's something like anger, but, or <laughs> sadness, like good on them. Cause they, they were able to draw you into the story enough to make you feel something. And this story hit me in the feels like at least 10 times over. And for that, I applaud it. Cause that's hard to do. Yep. Yeah, but yeah, I, I totally agree. It's uh, 
I, I liked uh, the you know the the plight of was it uh, Mr. Williams like the janitor and his family. I think that was the thing that hit me the most now as an adult yeah. understanding the racial uh, atmosphere, but also like having a family of my own and and seeing both his, his or his arrest and then his you know trial or his accusers and then you know getting acquitted but then not being able to you know enjoy it because he was murdered like that whole subplot to me is that's the hardest part to watch um you know i, I wish i wasn't so skeeved out about like the child molestation part of it now but <laughs> right. it, it, even though it does it does it obviously it makes the movie make more sense you know and and probably more realistic than just some random opportunity murderer you know right um but yeah i, I like that it's a little bit of a there's a little bit of a fake out with the lady in white because it's actually you know two women because uh, i remember as a kid kind of being confused by that too like are they the same are they not the same you know is this person alive or is it a ghost but yeah there's a lot of elements i like that there's like a lot of nostalgic christmas stuff at one point in the movie as well so yeah i mean uh you didn't ask me for my final thoughts, but I guess those are my final thoughts. That I just think this is a really great nostalgic movie. It has its dark moments. It's definitely PG-13 and not PG. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I do, I do think that this is probably in the same vein as the movies I've been showing to Griffin, my 11-year-old now, who's just now getting into spooky movies. And we watch things like Jaws and Shaun of the Dead and, you know... Tim Burton movies and the kind of stuff where it's like, yeah, we can kind of ease into the creepy stuff a little bit. Uh, And I think that this would fit in that same vein. And I don't think that uh, Phil's motivations really would be so, you know, obvious that it would like make a kid uncomfortable. And, you know, I watched it as a kid and I thought it was great and I'm glad I saw it again. Yeah, no, I I kind of agree with where you're coming from with the the whole. I don't think a kid would pick up on it because I mean clearly two two grown adults who have seen this movie multiple times didn't pick up on it and had to have it pointed out to us. So, I mean, yeah, I, I do think that a lot of those uh, the subtleties would not be picked up on by you know like you know Caleb or Griffin, um, like a, you know 10, 11 year old area. Like I think you'd be fine, but um, yeah, like knowing that now it's like fuck, that's, yeah. that's messed up. Um, give your kids some credit, you know, and True. these types of creeps are real. They're oh, out yeah. there. You don't have to pretend that they don't exist. Just, you know, know the right time to let your kids understand that, you know, like oh, I'm yeah. not going to, sh- Zoe wouldn't notice this stuff from Lady in White. She wouldn't care. It's not her type of movie, mm-hmm. but when she's older, you know, she's going to know. Oh yeah. So I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And Yeah. But I agree with you guys. It's a it's a nice, you know, fall season, October, November, December kind of horror movie. You can pick up it and just enjoy it. And it works on a lot of levels. It's crazy. It's on paper. It's not good, but it works despite that. So watch it. It's on Tubi. For free. Watch it. Gotta love. Gotta love Tubi. Um. And it's got Jason Preston in it, who, uh, you know, we recently had a, a chat where I was asking, who's the most, like, 80s actor? And I think there's some pretty obvious choices. You know, uh, Omey, I think you won with Schwarzenegger. That's probably the answer. But, you know, for me, I was watching this movie going, man, what the fuck ever happened to Jason Preston? That dude was awesome. And he was in some great movies in back in the 80s, like The Explorers. But, yeah, he just kind of, like, peaced out on Hollywood. So yeah. anytime I get to watch, uh, I love these movies where you get to go back to a certain time period and watch 
movies with actors that used to be like a big deal. And then you're like, oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah. Like what happened to him? You know, <laughs> um, real quick, uh, I, I don't have a lot of trivia, but uh, one is this was originally rated R. But uh, they, they later rated it PG-13. So uh, so basically the director appealed uh, the MPAA and won. So, but originally they, after watching the movie, they were like, nope, it's rated R. Um, this was filmed in 1986, but not released until 1988. And uh, I thought this was kind of interesting that Emily Tracy, who plays Frankie's mother, is actually Lucas Haas's real mom. So. <laughs> the, oh, the, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so it's like uh, that that actually makes it a little more sad, though, when you think about, you know, he had to watch his mom die. Well, that's probably um, how they got him to cry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. So, all right, so, so now, as promised earlier, we, we mentioned that Mike will uh, tell us, he will tell us a story. Um, right. so, so, Mike, go for it. Uh, one random bit of trivia that I like about it, uh, if you watch the courthouse scene, as the janitor's leaving the courthouse, there's lots of reporters with microphones in his face. There's a guy who looks like Baba Booey. That is the director in a, oh, in a fun, okay. uncredited okay. cameo. Um, now, now for the backstory, uh, the local legend around Rochester, New York, uh, our local legend that everybody knows about of a certain age. I don't really hear it so much in like newer generations, but it's the lady in white the story of the lady in white is that a woman's daughter mysteriously falls to her death into Lake Ontario. And now every night on a full moon, it always kind of the story, these urban legends, the stories, the details are always fuzzy. Uh, she goes out looking for her daughter and sometimes she's surrounded by spectral hounds and she comes from her house that burnt down the White Castle. OK, OK. And if you're there at a certain time of night, you can see her. And get away from her, she'll kill you like all this spooky ghost cliches um that you'd like to add to it truth be told uh what this story stems from if you're watching the movie it's like they live on planet planet arrakis it's like <laughs> the ocean it's not a lake it's like windswept there needs to be a lighthouse because there's boats are going to crash into the jagged rocks below lake ontario is not that crazy right uh the water is not that nuts. Uh, neither is Lake Erie, which it bumps into. Uh, what happened is Duran Eastman Park has been a hangout spot since the dawn of time. If you watch uh, the Del Toro movie that takes place in Buffalo with Bradley Cooper, we were talking about this earlier. Yeah, and I gotta can't remember the name. <laughs> um, let me consult the bones here really quick because it references something that plays into the story. Bradley uh, Nightmare Alley. Nightmare Alley. Uh, the second half of Nightmare Alley takes place in Buffalo, and there's a subplot with evidence that goes back to an amusement park in Rochester on Lake Ontario called Seabreeze. So the entire lakefront of Lake Ontario and Lake Erie back in the day were a big tourist attraction and uh, a big source of income for the region. Lots of people would hang out in these parks, they're like lovers lanes type of places. And it's a tradition that's continued to this day where it's a makeout spot. It's a spot to smoke weed, get drunk when you're a teenager. You take that element, you mix in lots of old world like superstition from Italy, Poland and Germany, which they're the, the main ethnicities that settled in the region. 
and you take a burnt down dilapidated building which used to be a hot dog restaurant <laughs> back at the turn of the century which the hot dogs known as red hots and white hots locally make a cameo in the film in the courthouse scene <laughs> and you get the perfect ingredients you get drunk teenagers telling spooky stories late at night in Duran Eastman Park and you have the perfect burnt down building so it looks like it was a castle it's just the stone base from a building that used to be there that burnt down from a grease fire back in the day um I went and found uh turn of the century zoning permits to prove that the building was there there's never been a white castle there's never a woman looking for her daughter that fell off the cliff because the building they think she lived in that in this movie burns down as well never existed gotcha. it's all embellished um but with you know the right kind of light on the water with the uh right type of stimulants and an overactive imagination you can see anything <laughs> yeah it's um, like the, the the love the love canal stories from the falls like we you know we yep. talked about that on other podcast episodes of people who would go to love canal and like see spooky stuff but it's all explained away by like traffic lights and cops <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. i mean do you want to scare the girl in your convertible into getting closer next to you because you need a ghost, right? You need a spooky story. Yeah, of course. That's where it comes from. Um, I'm not saying that I don't believe in ghosts. I'm not saying that the white lady doesn't exist. Maybe she does. Uh, but this was my overwhelming evidence to prove that it, it's just kind of a generational tale that's been around forever, passed down over and over. And you can look out in the water on a clear night and see all kinds of crazy shit. Um including maybe the ghost of a woman looking for her daughter that had fallen off a cliff into the stormy Lake Ontario below. (laughs) So uh, I hate to ruin it for people, but that's the origins of the tale of the white lady. Uh, Very similar to La Llorona in uh, Mexico. Yeah. Yeah, But it's kind of just a, a similar folk tale that's been changed slightly for different regions around the world and passed along mm-hmm. of the grieving mother ghost looking for her daughter. Right. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. a lot of those, those types of, of tales, you know, the, the mother ghost who has, has lost a child. Um, I'm trying to remember. I, I know there was another one that I, I read about recently too, that, that was uh, based around the La Llorona uh, uh, tale. Um, it was like, I want to say a Scottish tale. It, well, it's not Jenny Greenteeth. I know that's a different one. <laughs> Jenny Greenteeth eats children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know that's a completely different tale. Um, but yeah, beside the point, you know, there, that's, that's definitely a, you know, tried and true piece of folklore as, you know, the, the, go, the woman, the woman loses her child and will forever be searching and don't get in her way. Cause she'll get you. Yeah. And you know? uh, I mean, uh, kudos for taking the effort to make a movie about rochester it's you don't say it explicitly but we know yeah and there's nothing cool here to make a movie about nobody's gonna make the george eastman movie right unfortunately you know we don't there's nothing cool going on so thank you i'll take <laughs> lady in white it's pretty cool you know yeah definitely. our only <laughs> notable superhero is the stingray which <laughs> josh you found you know like we don't there's not much going on so uh i'll take it uh, yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, Niagara Falls is never going to get its Mushroom House story, so, you know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
I think the Buana Beast maybe moved to Rochester at some point in the DC continuity. I have to go check oh, that again. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, Buana Beast is awesome. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> take it. That is fantastic. He's no, got I mean, the, we'll... the best superpower of taking two animals and mashing them together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think Niagara, oh. Falls, I don't think Niagara Falls has any like comic book characters, like you know, like Marvel DC ones. Now that I'm thinking we, about it, we need Captain like Fats. A, yeah, yeah, Captain, <laughs> Captain. That is true. Well, technically, he lives in Price City, but you know, yeah. um, he he did retire to Niagara Falls. Um, but uh, but yeah, we have. Um, uh, which we need like a we need like a Great Lakes Avengers like a, a Z list Avengers <laughs> yes. team yes. for Niagara Falls like the Niagara Falls Avengers you know but uh, God who we, we'll have to do that on Raised by Rentals we'll have to yeah. put together that team we'll have to come up but, you need a <laughs> uh, a I keep saying this you need a creepy head local horror episode of stuff with connections yes Poltergeist nobody's seen it but me but Slime City oh I love Slime <laughs> uh, City okay you know stuff filmed in buffalo mm-hmm. rochester it might yeah. be worth it i don't know you have to look at the list of like see what's out there because it might be actually very boring choices but um yeah I, I'm, a, I'm actually going to be working with the uh, the director of slime city very soon oh, that's cool. um, what yeah. Like, what yeah yeah I'll, I'll tell you about it off the air okay. um <laughs> sweet got, got, that's got awesome some inter- got some interesting stuff in the works nice but that's um awesome. But yeah, so uh, we should probably start wrapping this one up since I know uh, time is limited and I unfortunately do have to go to work tonight. Um, but yeah, this was this was a lot of fun. Like, I really, really happy you picked this one, Josh. And, you know, we were honestly up in the air about a Halloween special this year because we did so many recordings uh, between the three different mm-hmm. podcasts uh, from September and October. It was like there was just so much going on. So we were kind of up in the air about it. And then, you know, you and I were talking about Lady in White. And it was just like, you know what, that, that's that's a perfect Halloween pick. And, you know, you've been wanting to cover it for a while. So, yeah, we'll just we'll put it on for Halloween. So hopefully uh, you guys agree with us and uh, we'll watch the movie before you listen to this, because we were kind of all over the place as as our, our conversational episodes tend to be. Um, but I still I had a lot of fun with this. So but uh, you guys have any final thoughts before we wrap it up? Go watch it. Mike left out enough where you're going to be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Very good. I think, and even if you do you know, know the story. Like it's real obvious because there's a ring guys. Did you notice there was a ring? That's <laughs> a ring. It's a clue. That's a clue. totally a ring, but it's still, it, yeah, but no, the experience is worth it. I think it's, a, this is definitely a movie that it is an experience. There's a lot of really great scenes. Uh, you know, it, I think it's pretty well written. There's definitely a lot there. It's not just a plot driven movie where you watch it once and, Oh, now I know the secret and I never want to see it ever again. Like for me, that's how the sixth sense is. Like I can't enjoy it anymore. Cause it's like, yeah. I, I get it. Like, you know, you got me, you got me guys, you know? And it's like, yep. I can't, I, it's not fun anymore because I know the twist, but it's, uh, Lady in the White, I think it doesn't matter how much you know or what you know about it. Uh, it's, it's a great movie. It's a good experience. It's got a great cast and yeah, definitely check it out. Yeah, totally agree. Um, but yeah, I, I also agree with you with the sixth sense. It's very hard for me to rewatch it now because that's that's one of those movies that the the entire thing hinges on the twist. And once you know the twist, it's like, okay, well, the rest of the movie is kind of just like meh. You know, Man, but... I'm watching that tonight, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't get me wrong, because I actually really like M. Night Shyamalan. Like, I, I recently watched Knock at the Cabin Door, and I fucking loved it. I, I thought that was a really fun movie. Um, so I do like his stuff. It's just the sixth sense always doesn't it just sits wrong with me <laughs> like i i'd much rather go back and watch unbreakable than watch six cents yeah, um yeah 
I, I would but, agree with you there too. Yeah, but Donnie Wahlberg is great in Sixth Sense. So just watch the beginning of it. <laughs> yeah, the, fir- the first ten minutes, then you're good. Um, but uh, but yeah, so we're we're gonna we're gonna start wrapping things up here. So if you guys are not following us, uh, check out check out the Boogeyman's Closet on both Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we also have a Patreon, which is actually how Josh picked this. Uh, it's three dollars a month for all of our unedited episodes. The higher tiers get you birthday picks, uh, special picks, stuff in the mail, things like that. And we are part of the Rad Pantheon. So if you want to listen to other podcasts like this, check out RadPantheon.com and RadPantheon and all the socials. And I will now toss it over to you two. Uh, Josh, if you want to go first and tell us a little bit about the plugs you want to give, and then we'll toss it to Mike. Yeah, for sure. You know, you can come visit me on Instagram at Comics Boost. Just spell that with an X, Comics Boost, uh, to come check out some of the cool uh, independent Kickstarter and crowdfunding comics that I like to promote on there. I'm trying to ramp that back up, especially going into the new year. But also come listen to Raised by Rentals. I don't know exactly when this episode is out and when you'll be hearing this, but it doesn't matter because we have a spooky season series going all through the end of 2023. We've already done a couple of movies that are Halloween and spooky themed we have a couple more episodes that are coming up again all the way up through our christmas special which is going to be spooky too so uh if you're if you're in the mood uh come you know come check that out we're we're riding the spooky season all the way into the ground today (laughs) (laughs) all the way into 2024 that's right uh go ahead and then mike toss it over to you for your plugs okay creepy head saturday morning monster mash uh if you like the muppets check (laughs) out the most current episode i think you're gonna have a great great time and yes the red pantheon which is a top secret group of artistic types you can't be a part of <laughs> can't be in the club you'll Get never know our secret password <laughs> ever <laughs> And, and, you know, I do find it funny that uh, Josh had mentioned this, um, Hibbard had mentioned this on the last episode of Creepy Head, that it was two mics and a Josh. And we have that again here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do love me a good mic sandwich. Mm. <laughs> Hi-oh! <laughs> But uh, so, yeah, I guess uh, we will we will wrap this up here. Um, Our next episode is actually going to be another Patreon piece. Uh, Mike will have to let me know exactly which one you want to cover first. I don't want to give them both away here. So why don't you pick uh, what we're going to cover first? So of the two movies you told me about, you can tell the listeners because that'll be the movie we will be covering next. (laughs) Hmm. Let's do the pit the pit so all right sometime in november we will be releasing the pit which uh oh that's an interesting flick i cannot wait to talk about but uh because yeah we are taking a month uh of uh we're taking a month off from the podcast uh for uh just kind of to kind of recoup after such a, a crazy couple of months, we will be back in December with Christmas Horror Round 4, uh, which, who boy, we're getting to the dregs, but uh, that'll be fun. Um, so, but yeah, we will release a at least, at least one Patreon pick in November, so the feed will not be completely dead. So definitely look forward to that. And uh, with that, I guess we'll wrap it up. So as always, this is Mike saying goodbye. See ya. Have you ever seen a dream? Walking because I do. I totally butchered that. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, 
follow us on Instagram at the Boogeyman's Closet, where you can stay up to date with everything we have planned. Peter, Peter.